Welcome to the Overreact podcast. In a society that puts women in a box, let's overreact. It's your girl Monica Mohoya. It's your girl Angela Wamboi. And it's your girl Lash Angela. I'm so excited that we're finally in a new year. We're in good health, good spirits. How are you feeling, girls, about 2020? Feeling good, feeling great, feeling optimistic. My word is, let's get it. Let's get it. I love it. And so we're so excited to be back in the studios once again with another season, season three. And I just want to say a big, huge thank you to all of you listening to us either on Capital FM, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor FM. Because of you listening, we're almost clocking 400,000 streams. Let's make it a million before this season ends. Um, uh, so we're also, we cannot you know, start this season without not showing our gratitude towards Capital FM and Kofisi. Because of them, we're able to amplify our voice even further. And now that season three is here, we're kicking it off with a key focus on celebrating the Queen Hustlers. And it's so timely because we are just kicking it off. Uh, the new year is fresh and everyone is like, oh, the way this economy is set up, I have to have you know, multiple income uh, mm-hmm. streams. And we'll be bringing to life conversation of women who have juggled uh, nine to five. They have had like different uh, hassles. As you know, Nairobi, we have that spirit of hustling. You'll find someone, uh, they'll tell you, I'm a mom, I'm a sister, I'm a leader, I do this and these. They have like 10 businesses. So we'll be bringing those voices in the studio and they will be, um, you know, breaking it down how they started their entrepreneurship uh, journey and also how they keep up with the challenges and these stories are all geared up to challenge you and to give you insight into starting your own business and you know build your wealth hey that's what it's all about and Mm -hmm. what better way to kick off this season than with our own journey as entrepreneurs so if you're new to our podcast you may or may not know that we are all founding partners to two amazing organizations one of them being sister speaks global which focuses on curating digital media content and events for women where we create safe spaces for women to learn be enlightened and connect and then uh, the second branch of course is our you know, uh, CSR initiative, which became a foundation on its own, which is the Heels for Pads Foundation, which focuses on raising awareness on period poverty challenges that are faced nationally and globally, while finding sustainable solutions to improve access to uh, menstrual products and also to facilitate menstrual health education in marginalized communities. And then don't forget about Overreact Media, a a platform that will be curating conversations like this to advance gender equality. Exactly. And many more to come. Many more to come. Mm -hmm. Um, So ladies, of course, I think it's really great for our listeners to hear about our own individual journeys. Where did our taste for entrepreneurship come from. Um, so before, you know, we joined hands as sisters in business, we all have our own individual journeys in entrepreneurship. So I'm curious to know, when did you start your journey with entrepreneurship? Mine was um, kicked off by, I had this moment, like, so I used to, um, I'd basically, I'd done my internship in Kenya, like in 2007. And I left like after a year and it was the job that I wanted to do, but they weren't paying me enough. I'm young. I'm like, y'all ain't paying me. So I'm a go. And then when I go back to UK, it becomes really difficult. Like they're not recognizing my African experience. I'm like, oh my God, my dream's going to die. And so I get like, I get a completely different job and I move town from where my family's from in UK. 
And then, like, my routine was so mundane. Get home. I mean, go to work, nine to five. Get home, watch TV, cook dinner, sleep. Like, it was, like, Groundhog Day, if you know the film. And so I remember, like, it was around 2009, and I just was, like... Um, I feel like I'm watching people make money. I'm watching Oprah, who's like a billionaire, and Ellen and all that. I'm like, I think I need to invest. How do I invest? So I just, for for Lent that year, I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to watch, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm going to use that time to see how I can develop my skills. So I started blogging. And then I was like, oh, I, what do I do? What else will I do in my time? So I remember I bought my first, like, jewellery kit. It was, like, a small box, like a takeaway box. Had, like, beads and had, like, instructions on how to make earrings. And I bought that because I used to spend so much money on accessories. I was like, maybe I should just learn how to make my own. So I started making, and I started making so much, and I didn't know what to do with it. And I gave it to my mom. My sister was not in that vibe. So then that's how, like, it just started m- you know, making and selling jewellery. Then when I would come to Kenya, I would, like, post pictures of jewellery that I've either made or that I'm bringing to sell, and people would, like, book the jewellery. By the time I'm here, my ticket is covered because everyone has already... I've sold my jewellery, I'm done, and now I can enjoy my holiday. And that's literally how I got the bug of, like, selling. And then I used to do it all the time. To be honest, when I came to Kenya, I, I never... I, I paid for the ticket, but I refunded the ticket from the money that I made. And that's, I think, where my bug of entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, I'll talk more about my journey, but that's where it began. Amazing. <laughs> and Ms. Monica, we want to hear about your journey. Because oh, we know I'm you're so glad you, I was you have that customer. entrepreneurial spirit, spirit oh my, naturally. Where do so. I even start? <laughs> I've had, like, oh God, I have had, well, my stint in entrepreneurship started because my aunt, uh, you know, started one business for me of selling high heels. So she, I remember she asked me, hey, Auntie Nancy, she asked me, oh, uh, would you want to start, what kind of business would you want to start? I can help you start. Um, So she gave me money and I went to a wholesale and got like high heels and I started selling them to my friends while I was juggling, um, you know, a small time job. And I remember like in six months, I didn't have money and I didn't have high heels for trusting friends. So my friends would come and like, okay, hi, uh, can I get that and that and that? They're like, they would take like four pairs and not pay me. Mm -mm, That's how my business (laughs) went down. Thank God it was not my capital, but also, it, you know, the lesson that I learned is, you know, don't trust, don't mix friendship with business mm. uh, because that's how my first uh, business went down. I will speak more about other stints or other, other hustles and lessons learned. Yeah, but that's oh, how it so started. So that's also how you have the bug of high heels, right? Because she's always, guys, you, you, that's you how may not know most, yeah. but uh, we call her Cookie Lions, if you know um, the show Empire Music, yeah? Mm-hmm. And um, she's always in heels. So I can see where, I can see where the <laughs> Yeah, influence. and also, funny enough, the inspiration <laughs> around heels for pads might have come yes. from yeah. rocking heels. Your love oh for God, heels. Yeah, yeah. No. so, wow. yeah. Okay. Like, maybe 18 years ago. One seed planted to birth another. Exactly. Right. It doesn't matter adventure. how many years. Though it may tarry, it will come to pass. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for myself, my journey with entrepreneurship began when I was, like, five years old. <laughs> Girl. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I've been selling African baskets since I was five. Many wow. people may or may not know. <laughs> 
Um, so this Where did came you get them in the States? From my parents. Um, so my mom and dad, they moved to um, the States when they were pretty young. Uh, my dad went to school in Texas, my mom in Kansas. They met in Seattle, fell in love, and the rest is history. Um, but for them, they moved to America and never worked for other people. So they started their own African business called Kilimanjaro Imports Exports. And so they would import a lot of different curios. You know, the, the businesses we already see here in mm. Kenya, but they brought that to America and, you know, started a shop. They would do many festivals. So, you know, I'd travel with my parents on the road going to different festivals And I would watch the art of storytelling because I think storytelling is a huge part of being a good entrepreneur, especially when it comes to selling African art and jewelry and music. And yeah, I'd just be there five years old watching my dad like tell them this amazing story about where this basket came from and these African women weaving them, you know, on the sides of the river. And I'd be like, wow, that sounds so enchanting. <laughs> and so, you know, even in between, uh, you know, selling at the festivals, I take my naps underneath the tables, eat, whatever. So it was just such an exciting journey. My mom was also a jewelry designer as well for some time. And yeah, as I got older, my parents would ring each and every one of my siblings into the business. So summer businesses, we weren't working for other people. We were working for the family. I remember being even like nine years old and working the register in the mall. And my friends would be like, wow, you're so cool. So I knew how to swipe cards, work the register. So that bug has always been in me. Um, even in middle school, I started a lollipop business with one of my Korean <laughs> friends. So I'm like, you know, we, we weren't allowed to have candy on campus, but I was like, oh, let me have an undercover candy shop. So we created these little trench jackets where you could have lollipops. How'd you create the jackets, go? Honey, you know, <laughs> I'm telling you, watching my mom make jewelry. So you always knew you could make things from scratch. Mm. So we'd create these small inner pockets. We'd have, you know, a little secret box going around the classroom that was very discreet. I'm like, don't tell the teacher you got this from me. But each lollipop is 25, you know, yeah. and just learning that you can do it, you know, and that is where my journey with entrepreneurship began. I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Okay, so entrepreneurship journey is definitely like being in a ship that's on, you know, water. Sometimes it's calm. And it's easy and it flows very well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, it's a storm. Sometimes, you know, you don't know where you're going to catch your next fish. Like it's a very, you know, up and down. Um, what would you say, like, with some of the things that you have done, which you can share as we have this conversation, what would you share uh, would be the lessons that you've learned that are good and that have helped you to the person you are now? maybe even a, a bad that have helped you like become more like what Moy was saying, like don't rely on friends, you know. So that's mm -hmm. a that's a lesson learned. Like, yes, you can, you know, tell your friends about what you're doing, but don't rely on no them. Try, yeah, try mm -hmm. and get other customers. What would you guys say with some of the things that you've learned along the way with some of the businesses that you've done? Uh, for me, I feel... I look at entrepreneurship or failures around that as iterative. So I started with heels and fast forward, I mean, real estate. So I didn't let that fast stint of my failing or getting my money gone, um, you know, discourage me. And very interestingly, oh, my ex of then, when I told him what happened with my high heel business, he actually gave me money and I started another business. Okay. So, which I'll talk about, which was eye-opening, and I think it kind of culminated into what I do right now, you know, besides Sister Speaks. Yeah. Wow. 
from. Mm-hmm. Um, man, for me, I always say, you know, there's really, yes, you'll make financial losses, but there's never a loss. There's always a lesson learned, mm-hmm. like Mo said. Um, entrepreneurship, it will test <laughs> your patience. And um, it's very seasonal. So mm-hmm. I think also understand the rhythm of your business. There's going to be high seasons and there's going to be low seasons. It's very rare that I find a business where it's a constant high. I don't think you're always going to have a constant high. Um, but really take everything with a grain of salt and for those mess ups, for those losses. But for me, I think my most important lesson learned is always have a happy customer. I'd rather, you know, take a loss on an order but have my customer be happy because a happy customer is free advertising. And, and that person tells one. another person, tells another person. So for me, my return um, on investment is more important than, you know, sitting there arguing with the client about something so small about their order that they may or may not have liked. Let me just rectify the issue, make sure they're happy at the end of the day. And a happy customer is going to bring you more business. I like that. Mm-hmm. I think so, like, as I said, I, I, um, I was in the jewelry business, and then when I when I moved back seven years ago, I did not want to work for anyone because I'd worked for someone since I was sixteen. So when I moved, I moved with a focus of doing jewelry. And uh, before I moved, like six months before that, I'd reintroduced that side of me again because I had you know it had kind of died down. Um, and so when I reintroduced it, I think the lessons that I learned like when coming back again, and now this time round. I wasn't selling things that are made by other people. I was selling what I'm making myself. And so I think one one key thing that I focused was my jewelry was unique. Like, so whatever I made for you was for Angela. Whatever I made for Mo was for Mo. Like, you're not going to cross paths and see each other wearing the same thing. That, that was my selling point. And I would get people saying, oh, my God, that's so expensive. Oh, my God. And, you know, I got to the point where, you know, I'm not going to be bothered with what you say because I know the USP, the unique selling point of my business. And I think that's one of the things I would tell people is identify what's your USP like. And once you know and you're sure and you know that the strength and the value of what it is that you're bringing to the table, those comments won't matter. I think that's number one. And then number two, if 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 you're doing like what I did, which is relocating and starting um, I think you need to put yourself out there. I did a lot of markets. That's how I met Mo. Uh, she was my customer. So I did a lot of markets. I did a lot of networking, connecting with people also in the same business as me so that I know, oh, where do people go uh, to sell jewelry? Um, learning my price points, that was a very interesting journey. Um, making stuff, too much stuff, and then not being able to sell it, that will always happen. Um, so I think with 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 I think if you're in the entrepreneurial spirit, you kind of have to be like a chameleon and learn to adapt. Like, as you were saying, it's mm-hmm. not very straightforward or clear exactly. cut. It's not going to be always up. And it's just learning to adapt and shift and change if, if you know, and jewelry is changing. Do you remember, guys, you guys used to wear the big bidded jewelry, you know, the big, like, the I can wear, yeah, I can <laughs> wear those chunky jewelries now. But they made sense then. So like learning to like shift and shape. Yeah, I think for me also what pinches uh, most is when you've invested uh, mm-hmm. maybe all of your savings. And, what, and while I was listening to you girls, I was thinking 
my two first businesses didn't pinch because it was not my money. Mm. But my third one, it really pinched because it was my money. Well, that was all my savings. Um, <clears throat> so like I mentioned, my ex gave me some money to start something else for myself. And I remember going into interior. So my cousin was uh, working in like office, partitioning and interior design. But he never paid me for like three years. What? Yeah. Wow. I mean, 365 <laughs> days times three? Girl. girl, yes. But he paid good, like, later with interest. But it was after, like, our relationship was messed. It almost, like, got to the family. So when I'm saying, like, you know, entrepreneurship can get ugly, mm. you have to know who is on your court because all of us, we are product of our environment. Whoever mm-hmm. you rela- uh, relate with, um, there's something Tony Robbins talks about. It's like proximity is power. So I was, you know, close to my cousin who was doing that kind of business, but he did me dirty regardless of whether we are blood or not. But fast forward, I remember learning and taking that, and I was like, okay, I have a bit of savings, and I started selling lipsticks with my sister. So I remember the first brand of Milani to get in Kenya was myself and my sister. The first Korean product, uh, beauty product, was me and my sister. But at the time, we didn't have the know-how, like, you know, these are ripe, or look at the future to look like, mm. oh, the beauty industry is going to be, like, massive. Mm. So if we stayed on and you were, like, not, you know, impatient to make money or to make profits uh we would have stayed and probably would have been bigger that's a really good point about patience i think you also said that yeah and i think i think that's the biggest challenge when it comes to uh, why people don't last in business Mm -hmm. is they're not patient enough i don't know yeah exactly exactly and we live in this world where i put food in the microwave it's ready i boil the kettle I make my hot drink. So mm-hmm. I think that that's the challenge with businesses. And then, you know, your social media, you've got someone who says, oh, I made this much money in six months. And so then you think, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, yeah. And you all of a sudden want to, like, give up, mm-hmm. um, which I guess would be about, like, the challenges one could face. What are some of the things you think you face, especially mm-hmm. if we fast forward to where we are now. We had COVID round the corner not oh, so long damn. ago. Yeah. And we it still doesn't all, feel like three years. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But, you know, how did you pivot um, in whatever businesses you were doing individually, if you were doing any that? Um, so, in, so, you know, my other side hustle is fashion design. So when it came to um, pivoting during the pandemic, I got into mask making. It's not like I was making masks before, but literally right before the government made it mandatory, I already had masks made. And it wasn't, it wasn't even because I was like, oh, COVID's happening. I actually, you know, I'd always see um, Asians walking downtown with masks. And if you've ever been downtown Nairobi, there is a lot of dust and a mm-hmm. lot of diesel. So if you're not used to walking in town all the time, You'll just get so much dust in your nose. So I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. So I just had one that I had made. And then now this COVID, it started, you know, now making its way to East Africa. And I was like, oh, you know, some people are wearing masks, some people aren't. But there was still a stigma with masks. And then sure enough, days later, the government made it mandatory. And I just happened to have a stash of masks that I had made. And guys are like, oh, my God, I need a mask. And so I just started handing them out, actually out for free because I knew those clients were going to bring me more business. Oh, I like that. And um, 
even I remember at the time, America, they started having a shortage of masks. So I even started exporting some to family and friends. And boom, for a good year and a half, yeah, yeah started making masks locally good. and yeah. internationally. And I was like, all right, now mm-hmm. talk about pivoting and, and finding uh, an opportunity. You know, not that it was a, a, a great time for anyone at that time, but... Just seeing the gap and yeah, filling it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it helped us as well with Hills for Pads because we were mm-hmm. able to give to, you know, girls. The schools and yeah. communities and that didn't have masks. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, because it was a real challenge with people sharing masks. Yeah. Your business was slightly different though, Mo. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was really affected. I remember the first time, you know, they announced lockdowns. I got like 70% cancellation. Oh, you need so, to tell people what they were canceling. Oh, yeah, I'm going there. <laughs> so um, I was doing two businesses, uh, which is human hair business and uh, Airbnb, which is furnished apartments. So I used to rely a lot on summer interns who would come here for like three, six months. So I remember this organization had already like um, booked for six months. Oh. Yeah, and my I was good for a whole six months. My 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 apartments were full, and then um, Wait, just uh, just for us to understand mm-hmm. and for those who are listening, when you say they booked for six months, like how many apartments are we talking? We are talking about two apartments, so they are all shared. Okay. So I was looking at myself. I'm like, oh my god, I need to sleep for six months because I don't have to think about rent, yeah. expenses, and all that kind of stuff. But you know. The, mo- the moment they just announced that there's COVID, there's this thing going, and then they announced the closure of, um, you know, flights and international space, I was like, damn, I'm done, I'm finished. So fast forward, I, stuck, I started talking to my landlady, and I told her, okay, would you be willing to waive at least a bit of the rent so that I can, you know, at least keep the apartments because I don't own the apartment, so I lease and then re whatever yeah sublet um so i remember her telling me oh no i'm actually trying to sell it and get out so she's irish so she was trying to get out as soon as possible so that was me and she told me okay you need to find storage um not being kicked out but i'll sort of like if you don't pay me full um we're probably not ever get into an agreement so that's how i folded and i was like okay i just you know, pack up everything, put it in storage, and I will continue doing, like my sister and I, we have um, an organization called Conix Housing where we do, like, management for enter- uh, for Airbnbs. If you have an Airbnb and you don't have a manager or something, uh, we'll do that for you. So I pivoted to that, now managing or doing referrals and earning commission and closing shop. Mm. Yeah, and to date, uh, I haven't been able to order any human hair from China because of the closure. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so oh yeah, because of the there's that as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think well for me, I was consulting, and um, yeah, like I think by July, I I just remember calling my mom in around like April and saying, "Ah, oh, this thing by June, we'll be we'll be good to go. We'll be good to go." Uh, we'll be back to things, and I was like, okay, everything's closing, and I talked to you girls about, um, I talked to you girls about, um, I was like, I'm done, right, yeah, Yeah. Mm. I was literally done, and I was like, yeah, this is not working, everything that I have worked hard for up to that point, all my um, income streams, 
were gone. Um, there was no pivoting for me because the I was working with um, an NGO at the time. Um, I was doing like writing and doing all that stuff. There was no pivoting. And then at the time, Sister Speaks was still very fresh. So, um, so yeah, I was like, um, yeah, I'm good to go. I'm ready to go. And the only thing that stopped me from going was um, I was going from one prison to another because in UK, same thing. They would, it was <laughs> the same thing. I first of all, I couldn't even leave the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, had the yeah closure of flights. Yeah. yeah, so that was a very challenging time. And for anybody, I just for anybody who is still struggling and try, I just want to say like. I'm spiritually holding your hand and hang in there and look for something that can give you, even if it's going back to work for some, somebody until you figure how to get back into the business thing. And and just owning that failure, like I owned, like this is it, I, I've, I'm, I'm failing. Like, Make failure your friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so just, and being okay with that fear and thinking, what can I do? And, you know, it was a season where I couldn't, I couldn't go to my, I can't go to my parents, I can't go to my sister. Everybody is going through it. Just have to figure out how to, to go about it. But I thank God that we're here now and we're still telling our story. Um, and I guess with, I know we haven't got long left with time. I think, I think it would be nice for us to talk about what would you, adv- with all the things that you guys have gone through, Let's talk to the entrepreneurs. What are you telling them? I think um, first of all, have a, a you know someone who look you look up to. Uh, for me, uh, when I was growing up, I was looking at Tabitha Giroche. That's her name right now. Mm-hmm. How does a woman get to dominate such a male-heavy industry? Like how, you know, with all these societal expectations where like, oh, women shouldn't drink, women should be doing this. And she's holding like, she's running a whole brewery, you know, even if there's a husband behind her and a family. I just thought that was very powerful. And also this lady called Jerry Ryonge, uh, she is, uh, she started the, um, the 190 online, which is like um, an ISP or, um, you know, internet service provider and in my head I'm like if a woman can do that I can actually build my own and fast forward I learned uh, that Melvin's tea was actually started by a woman so we are very uh, we are teetotalers in Kenya right we grow tea and she decided okay I'm the first woman who's going to start flavored tea business in Kenya Mm -hmm. mind-blowing so find someone you look up to and then try to learn because there's a lot of information a lot of resources online and you know pick people's brains and you know just learn how business works it's all about like do you have a minimum of vi- minimum viable product do you have the scalability strategy do you have a business model how is your to go market strategy how is the business um, you know environment all those things they play a very great uh, role if you want your business to thrive and i'm sure many me- women we are going to be hosting in this season they will all echo that like yes. you can't just blind say oh i'm in business today i'm selling eggs maybe you're selling when you have like 10 competitors there so what's your edge what's your competitive mm. edge so you have to master that that's like what that. been my mm, i like that competitive journey, yeah. edge yeah. definitely yeah. Mm-hmm. um i think you know uh several nuggets uh monica had, had mentioned understand your worth know your worth don't let take people take advantage of you and i think also when you're starting out 
somehow you could be a little bit shy about charging. And I think living in Kenya, the land of bargaining, you almost <laughs> forget. Because, you know, in America, we could charge whatever we want. You know, I saw my little cousin the other day selling some jeans. And she's like, oh, hand-painted jeans by me. If you bring me jeans, I'm charging you $50. If I include your jeans, I'm charging 100 And I just loved her confidence about the price. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of business people that, you know, I, I do admire, I'm going to say the everyday hustler in town so we have a juice lady that comes to our office called lucy shout out to lucy <laughs> and also our other lunch guy domi domi has been feeding our office for years and he has so many foot soldiers and his ability to be so organized very fast with getting your lunch um and i've never seen domi face to face but his ability to just run operations so smoothly i am curious i want to learn from this man yeah so I like shout out to our everyday hustlers I think, I think for me, as, as you said, you can't just wake up and say, I'm going to start a business. I think there's something uh, uh, Bob Collimore said when I went to a talk he did. And he said, when you start something, don't start something that's like way away from what you know. So that's number one, is whatever business you're doing, let it be close to whatever you're knowledgeable about or you're willing to learn about. Because the most, the second most important thing is to invest in in reading, reading books, learning learning how to run the particular business that you want to run. Doing courses, you've got platforms such as LinkedIn, Facebook, Udemy, Coursera, where you can do courses. Um, you know, um, Goldman Sachs have this thing for businesses. I think people, especially during COVID, that's what I did. I invested a lot in educating myself, feeding myself information on how to be a better founder for the organizations that we're doing. And um, and I think I think that's those are the things I would say is like read a book. And also as you're saying, Angela, is I don't know if I can pinpoint one particular entrepreneur that speaks to me, but I feel like there's so many businesses that I've come to learn about, these businesses I see. I love how you know, from like 4 p.m., people are just like in the streets of Nairobi, wherever, if you're walking home. Mm-hmm. They're just putting their clothes out there, you know, selling that. And I think I think just also seeing inspiration from the people around yeah. you. And yeah. the pride with which they do things. Because I'm yeah. like, I think you and I coming from the Western world, you're growing up, you're taught do one thing and do it well. Yes. It's not until I came to Kenya where I saw people doing multiple things. You'll meet someone that's like, I'm a rapper, but I'm also a doctor. So yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> literally, I think you Actually, can do it all. I know a if you want and ha- a doctor. <laughs> yeah. We if, know him. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want to have a nine to five and still have your entrepreneurial, you know, side hustle, go on ahead and do it. Um, so, yes. So um, as we come to an end of this episode, let's kick off the new billboard season where we'll each complete a sentence on how we would define the journey of building a business. All right. So, ladies, I want you to complete this sentence. Entrepreneurship is. I need to think. Okay. (laughs) Entrepreneurship is realizing that you're a platform, not a ceiling, that you're creating opportunities for other people to extend, like you're an extension of other people's dreams. So, again, I'll say entrepreneurship is realizing that you're a platform not a ceiling, an opportunity for other people to grow their dreams so you're an extension of their dreams. 
Mm-hmm. I would say um, entrepreneurship is a mindset and a catalyst that brings about these shifts and um, systemic changes, um, you know, in the way that we know life. Uh, so there's that domain that changes the way you, you know, produce at work because you don't have to go outside your office uh-huh. to have lunch. So that's how I see it. It's a mindset and that and a catalyst to, you know, that shift. Uh, man, I love the depth that y'all ladies came yeah. I'm going to keep it simple. Um, <laughs> entrepreneurship is passion with the profit to, you know, help you sustain your dreams. Um, yes, and I'm going to keep simply keep it at that. So I like that. Awesome. Awesome. Ladies, uh, it's been amazing to learn about your hustles and uh, definitely being our first episode. uh, We are super, super excited to see what this season is all about. And we want to shout out to uh, Kofisi where we are recording this uh, very episode. If you are a content creator, this is the place for you to get creative and, you know, curate inspiring content like the Overreact. This has been your host, Monica Mohoya. Um, thank you, Monica. Um, and you know, you are tuning in to this particular episode right here on Capital FM on Mondays from 10.30 p.m. But you can also listen to us digitally via Capital FM's SoundCloud page and also follow the Sister Speaks Global podcast pages on Apple, Spotify, Google and Anchor. Please interact with us and follow us on, at Sister Speaks 254 on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You have been listening to Lush Angela. It's your girl, Angela Wamboy. Ladies, let's, let's overreact. overreact.